Welcome in to the Tighten Up Podcast on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. I'm Jack Gentry alongside my partner, Austin Huff. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Jack A. Gentry. He is at Austin Huff. We are the Tighten Up Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter, at Tighten Up Pod. Give us a follow on Instagram, at Tighten Up Podcast. And as always, we're under the A to Z Sports umbrella, so go make sure you're following A to Z Sports on every social media platform. This is Sode number 197, the apparently forcing Henry all game long for nine total yards for 0.6 yards per carry, while ignoring the pass game is the Vrabel blueprint to win games even though it loses games of Sodes. <laughs> you know what the worst part is? They're going to do that next week, and then they're going to do that the week after, and then they're going to do that against Jacksonville. It's not going to change. No matter how many times they see that this plan, this blueprint doesn't work, they're going to go right back to it the next game they can. Okay. All right. We got to get into all that. We're going to get into that in the actual sode. Uh, that that sode title comes to us via Andrew Moore at Andrew the Earl on Twitter. And he look, we're not even uh, more than a minute into the podcast, and we're already getting fired up. Uh, so you know <laughs> we're in for a great sode and a great sode with. Uncle Buck joining us. Look, it's the holiday season. So, of course, you know, we had to turn to Uncle Buck to come into our home and completely um, just derail all that we do. And he makes a strong argument for why he should get one star a week rather than 0.5 stars every single week. So you're going to want to hear that. And, of course, Jack and I are going to talk about just we're we're gonna lament about being Titans fans and this team and where things are and how much we hate life and I don't know maybe we'll find something else more fun to talk about but uh, until then I encourage you to listen and before we get to all of that let's get a word from our friends at Relax the Back. Christmas is right around the corner. If you haven't done your Christmas shopping yet, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, go to Relax the Back and give the gift of comfort this holiday season. They'll help you with great deals in store on office chairs, X chairs, reclining chairs, massage chairs, Technogel and Tipperpedic pillows and mattresses. Give the gift of sleep this holiday season. The Relax the Back team is going to make sure you're waking up and feeling great every single day. They'll fix your neck pain. They'll fix your posture issues. They'll fix your back pain. But you have to go check them out at 2020 Glen Echo Road in Nashville, Tennessee, right across the road from Hillsborough High School. If you're unable to get there in person, do not worry. You can do some online shopping as well at stores.relaxtheback.com slash Nashville and start feeling better today. When you go in, make sure to tell them that A to Z Sports sent you. I could go for a massage right now. And with all of that said, let's talk Titan. I hear the train are coming. It's rolling around the bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since. I don't know when I'm talking. What is up, Flameheads? Welcome to the Tighten Up Podcast. Today is December 19th, 2023, and this might be the first podcast in almost, what, three, four years of doing this podcast? Might be the very first one I've ever introed with the posture that I have right now. And uh, obviously, to our podcasting audience, you cannot see me right now, but Jack can see me on the Zoom screen. And I am just leaned back in my chair. Uh, you know, the only thing missing is my feet kicked up like Ferris Bueller, it, it, which is a movie that Jack has probably never seen. 
I've this... seen it multiple times. Okay. All right. Save Ferris. Uh, have you seen it nine times? Nine, nine times. times. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. Good. I see. I was testing you. I was testing you. Uh, but no, I am. I am just completely. I don't know. I'm. I'm. You know what I am? I'm. And this is. I, I've actually made this analogy earlier this season to where the way I viewed Vrabel, but um, the dude from Office Space. After he gets hypnotized, that's the way I feel about being a Titans fan right now. I'm just walking in. Um, you know, I may bring a, a fish in to work and just gut it right there on my office desk. Like, I'm just, that is the way his entire vibe in that movie is how I feel about being a Titans fan right now. I'm just like, I, I don't know. I feel like just, I, 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 I just want to give up because the Titans clearly have. And I just don't know how to feel, Jack. Austin, I'm going to be frank with you. The last three months of my life has been the worst three months of my life from a sports fan's perspective. <laughs> I, I, as many listeners know, I'm I'm tied to Vanderbilt football and Vanderbilt basketball. It is my curse. The Tennessee Titans also in there. Eleven wins from those three teams combined. Eleven wins. That's what I. That's what I've been doing for the last three plus months. I've been watching every team I love lose. Yeah, that's pretty bad. But, that is, but, but with the Titans, it's different because you have expectations, and you know, surely you're not gonna, you know, blow this halftime lead against the Texans and the Oilers throwbacks with White Shoes Johnson going well, up in the rafters. Surely look, you don't blow that lead. You and I could throw the Dodgers and Braves into uh, the mix too, and uh, with both of our teams getting swept in October. Yeah, but there's going to be some fans listening that are Reds fans, Cardinals fans, Cubs fans, which had an even more disastrous finish to their season. What the hell do Reds fans, Cardinals fans, and Cubs fans have to cheer about? Didn't even make the playoffs this year. That's what I'm saying. They've they've got it worse than the Braves and Dodgers fans. Yeah, sure. No, no, you're right. You're right. But all of us have the same number of playoff wins uh, this season, though. So um, it is, yeah, it's it's brutal. Other than Ole Miss and Mizzou, honestly, Jack, uh, not a whole lot keeping us together keeping us upright. It is, it has been a rough go of it. And I'm just, I, I watching that game on Sunday, they get, they, they start off hot and I'm like, yes, good, good. I was like, I was, I was nodding along at my TV, like that Jack Nicholson gif. Okay. Just, yes, yes. That's what I was doing. The Titans get off to a hot start. You know, they they drive, what, 89 yards or 91 yards down the field and score a uh, touchdown and on, on a drive where Levis looked great connecting on a ton of throws. Um, weren't running the ball well, but then again, they didn't run the ball well all day, which we'll get to here in just a second. But then, uh, then the defense, the defense comes up and gets a pick six. Are you kidding me? I was like, yes, this is – here we go. This is the one game. I And I've said all season – if the Titans went one and sixteen, the one game they needed to win was Houston at home in those Oilers uniforms. No, I totally agree, and they had it. They had it in the bag, Austin. The they first had dri- it. The, the first scoring drive of the game belonged to the Titans, but it it always felt a little clunky because even though the Titans went to the half with what was it, a thirteen to three lead, the Titans had only had three offensive possessions, and. The other two outside of the scoring drive were pretty rough. Yeah. They just six they, plays they, for both of them. They never really found their footing in that game. And Elijah Molden comes up with a huge play on defense. 
and, and it felt like the Titans were going to start hammering away at the Texans. It was going to be a frenzy. It was going to be a feeding frenzy, a free-for-all. And then the, then halftime comes. And Tim Kelly gets in there. Mike Vrabel get in there. And they say, you know what? Let's play this game not to lose. Let's play this game not to lose. Forget putting our foot down on the gas pedal. We're going to play this conservatively. We're going to run Derrick Henry up the middle, even though he never makes it to the line of scrimmage without being touched in the backfield. He's always getting hit in the backfield. It was 24 or 27 yards after carry for Derrick Henry, which like you're like, oh, that's, after you know, that's that. Yeah, after contact. That's that's not bad. That's pretty good. Uh, but he had nine yards total on the day, meaning he had 27 yards after contact just to get nine total yards. Fighting for his life. I'm embarrassed. Like, I'm, I'm legitimately embarrassed by this football team. I'm embarrassed for the Titans. I'm embarrassed to be a Titans fan. Like, I'm embarrassed. And it's been a long time since I've said that. And well, that Sunday was embarrassing. I feel the worst for Derrick Henry, though. Yes. Because, because this could be his last year. And the way things are going, it might be his last year here. And he's he's got no help up front. The passing game's been hit or miss all season, mostly miss. And Derrick Henry's trying his best out there, but he he's got nowhere to run. There are no holes up there. You know, his vision hasn't been great this season, but how can you blame him? He's probably second guessing everything just because he's getting hit from places where he hasn't been used to getting hit before. And it's Tim Kelly's tendencies, and, and we're going to talk to Buck about how much Mike Vrabel has to do do with this. It's the first down tendencies and the screen, the screen play, the toss play. It's the same BS that hadn't worked all season. That they continue to plug into their game plan that, each and every week. That's what I don't understand. And I talked about this on my reaction video for Cork Bats, but it's like, why does this team consistently try and force square pegs into round holes? And Vrabel, I'm, I don't know the reporter that asked him. I, I don't know if it was Kaharski or, or, or Tehran or who, but one of, the, one of the writers asked him, why do you consistently force running on first down? Like, why do you consistently try to run when it was very clear on Sunday that they were not getting anything up front? Nothing. There was not a single iota of a single play that told me, oh, yeah, maybe Derek could bust one. Maybe he can break one. There's been games where he's gotten three or four yards a pop, and there's been a couple of runs where it's like, oh, if he just broke that tackle, he was gone. There wasn't even anything that told me, oh, he's getting past the line of scrimmage. Never got and, to the second level. And so someone asked Brable, why do you consistently force this? And Brable's answer made me want to pull my hair out. Brable said, well, you know, it's important to establish the run, whether it be with Derek or Tajay or uh, the, who's the third string running back. Um, why am I blanking on his name? They, they I don't, never honestly, really use him. I don't even care. Ward, Jonathan Ward. I, I, and he, and he said that, and then he goes, we've won a lot of games in the past with that formula. And that, that to me is just like, are, Mike, are you hearing what you're saying, dude? You've won five of your last 21 games, and you're sitting here explaining to us what has won you games in the past. If anything, maybe this is why you're on a 5-16 and 16 skid. Maybe this is why, like because you were so reluctant to alter your mindset, 
feeling that you have to force the run. You have to get the running game going. And I, I point out, like, Arthur Smith, I think we there's not anyone in two-tone blue that would disagree with the fact that he is a brilliant offensive mind. Sure, if you're wearing red and black right now, you might question that because the Falcons have been struggling. But, you know, the Falcons have also been struggling in the talent department, much like the Titans. But Arthur Smith is brilliant in my uh, mind. I think I think maybe he he has Peter principled where he is best as an offensive coordinator, probably is yeah, not but great he, as a head coach. He's got no help from his quarterback either. No, no, no. He, right, right, right. And but but I but I'll say like there was a game last year in 2022, and I think I've referenced this on the podcast before. But 2022 against the Browns, the the Falcons in a span of the game. With Marcus Mariota at quarterback, once ran the football 14 straight plays, 14 straight run plays, including one 10 yard drive that went for 75 yards and a touchdown. So on one drive, they ran the football 10 straight plays for 75 yards and scored a touchdown. Why? Because you're, when you average 7.5 yards a clip, why would you go against it? it? There wasn't one play on that entire sequence where Arthur Smith said, we need to work in a pass. We need to run play action here because that's just what you do. No, he found something that was working and he consistently did it. Whereas with freaking uh, like on the flip side of that, he saw what wasn't working. I think Mariota had just come off of an interception or something to spawn those 14 straight runs, but he said, okay, look, passing game is, you know, struggling maybe a little bit. It's not there. I'm going to go with what is working for this football team. Then you take it back to Sunday. And the, the running game, there wasn't, again, an iota of a play. Not even a single play, but an iota of a play that made any Titans fan think this running, this running game is going to come alive. He's going to bust one eventually. You just got to keep giving it to him. Keep feeding Henry. No, there wasn't. A, and and you know me. I'm the biggest Derrick Henry stan on the planet. All right. I I run the number one Derrick Henry fan site on the internet with Gorkvats. This Fats. is true. I, even I was like, stop giving the football to Derrick Henry. You're you're going one going to get this man murdered. Two, your your team is clearly not inept enough to run the football. So yeah. throw the freaking football. And the fact that they kept trying to do it, that's how you lose games. Think about it. I mean, like, if, look, yes, if the if the Titans connect on two extra points in their last two home games, they're undefeated at home this season. But, you know, you see, so you can maybe chalk it up to that. But also, at the same point, like, play calling is a big reason why, in my opinion— why this team is where they're at. And it yeah. that Sunday was the case in point. They should have won that game by two scores. Uh, you know, not enough heat is probably being a- applied to uh, Nick Folk, but, you know, these extra points, he- he's got to make these. They're costing them games. A um, couple issues. Tajay Spears touched the ball just 10 times uh, to Derrick Henry's, what was it, 16 plus four catches, 10 to 20. Tajay Spears touched the ball 10 times to Derrick Henry's 20 touches. Tajay Spears gained 37 yards while Derrick Henry finished with 10 total yards rushing and receiving. Tajay Spears has to be incorporated more, more into this offense. That's first and foremost. Second off, I agree with your points in that Mike Rabel and this Titans offense as a whole has failed to adapt 
to what has not worked, what can work, what has worked. They have failed to adapt this season. It's like an NBA coach drawing up every like set play he has is a mid range two. It's like that worked thirty years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's no. threes and layups. You got to no threes and layups. Find a way to get. I'll take. Threes and I'll, I'll take it a step further. Yeah, you got like Daryl Morey t- uh, recruiting guys and getting guys that will, will only hit threes and have high three-point percentages because if you get a three, you know, the mathematics, it's the analytics of basketball. The, point per possession, three, yeah. Yeah, point per, per, point per possession. Yes, thank you. Like it, it, that is that is the way you go. Meanwhile, Mike Vrabel is teaching his guys how to do jump-stop layups. Like that is where the and, this and elbow elbow at. twos like th- well, that's not oh, a valuable why? shot. Why Mike Vrabel? Oh, because that formula has won a lot of games for us in the past. You know, yeah. Well, you know, the wing T yes. uh, won a lot of games for Newt Rockney in the past. Mike, <laughs> why don't you go back to that? And the the Golden State Warriors weren't playing the same offense the Chicago Bulls were, and look what like, happened. Like, it's, all right, I'm sitting up for the very first time in this podcast. I'm Here sitting up, and I. Mike, Mike, how are you dense enough to the point where you're going to argue that that formula has won a lot of games for you in the past when you were literally on a five and 16 game skid? What are you talking about? That that formula has won a lot of games for you in the past. Do you not see that you have not won a lot of games in the most recent past? Like sitting here and trying to like talk down to us on for being like for being critical of something that we should definitely be critical of you're going to sit there and say well you know we've won a lot of games with that in the past like you also won a lot of games with Marcus Mariota uh in the past like do you want to bring him back at quarterback like i just it that i that really really pisses me off uh to not recognize have the self-awareness of where you're at as a franchise. And I get it. You're not going to bury your guys. He's not going to, he's, he's going to defend and he's going to stick up for Tim Kelly. But to say something like that, that won a lot of games for us in the past, dude, you haven't won a lot of games in, in the past. Like it's been a season and a half since you put out a consistent product. And since then, you've been consistently inconsistent, and it's been embarrassing. And I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm like to my wits end. I, the Bunsen burner for me, it's turned on. I, I it's turned it up on. a notch. I, I've turned it up a notch. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. It's not scalding, but it is, it is it, turned up a notch. Here's the thing, though. We're so deep into this season. I think we have to realize that it's just not going to change. It's going to be this way for the rest of the season, and it's fair to be frustrated with that. But Derrick Henry, it's not – none of this is his fault, by the way. But the no. fact that he's there, the fact that he's on this roster, it's it's like when you send your kid off to school and, you know, he loves baseball, so he picks up a wiffle bat. But every time he picks up that wiffle bat, he hits someone else with it, and he's just not behaving correctly. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing at school because the wiffle bat is too easy for him to get. Derrick Henry is that wiffle bat to Tim Kelly in the Titans offense. He's he's great. He's fun to play with. You love playing with it. You have you've had great times in the past playing with it. But you got to take it away. You got at some point you got to take it away. And I'm not saying that the Titans should give up on Derrick Henry after this season. Shouldn't bring him back, even though there, there's some people listening that probably agree with that. But you've got to go away from that. Find a new toy to play with. 
or as a parent or a teacher, give them a new toy to play with, Tajay Spears, in order to cause less problems and just to just to continue to evolve and grow up as a kid, grow up as an offensive coordinator, evolve as an offensive coordinator, open up the playbook. you got to go away from Derrick Henry at some point. I don't know if that yeah. means not bringing him back next year, but it's just not working with this offensive line right now. And I guarantee you if you give Derrick Henry an offensive line, a, a, even a competent offensive line, he's top two, top three in the league in rushing yards. Right now he's top six. He's sixth. Yeah, which but, is insane. He, he's he's the sixth highest leading rusher on a game after a game where he just had nine yards. But everybody above Derrick Henry, like McCaffrey's averaging 5.3 yards a carry. James Cook, 5.1. Uh, Raheem Mostert, 4.9. Kyron Williams, 5.1. DeAndre Swift, 4.6. And then there's Derrick Henry, 3.8 yards per carry. It's not working. It hasn't worked. It will not work this season. If you bring him back next year behind a decent offensive line, will it work? Maybe, but at the same time, you just drafted Tajay Spears. And every time he's on the field, every time he touches the ball, he shows you that he can make this offense dynamic and explosive. Why is he getting half of the touches that Derrick Henry's getting in a game where you saw early that the Henry run wasn't going to work? Why not incorporate Spears out there? Why not put them both out there more often? It's it's frustrating. They need to evolve, and it's time to grow up as a play caller. It's a fair point. I love the wiffle ball bat analogy because, look, Derrick Henry's a guy you hit a lot of home runs with uh, over the years, and you've had a lot of fun with him. But, yeah, you're right. If you misuse him and you start to get people hurt, <laughs> I mean, honestly, with the with the wiffle ball bat, with Derrick Henry, like that's when it needs to be taken away and you not, need to be put in timeout, honestly. I, I – with the Tajay Spears thing, I love Tajay Spears. I do. I, I think he is, he's going to be I, – I think he already is, and I think he's only going to be a big weapon for this team. If you move on from a Derrick Henry, I, I, I worry about making Tajay that every down back, about being, you know, one, with having no ACLs in those knees, and for – that hasn't really been a problem, you know. It, no, it he hasn't he been, been a problem. It hasn't been a bell cow. But when I mean, he was asked not, to be a bell cow against the Colts, he handled 16 carries, which is a career yeah, high no, for him. I, that, Went for 75 that, yards, four, 4.7 yards per carry. So he can do I, it. I'm not arguing. Yeah, I, I, I think he, again, he is a weapon. But you do that 16 carries, 16 plus carries every single week for a 17 game slate. I I don't know. I mean, like we've seen what it's done to Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry's a freak of uh, of an athlete. Like it is just a he has muscles on top of his muscles, and he's built like a freaking defensive end. Uh, uh, Tajay Spears, that that's what I worry. I think you need that complimentary back to they can Tajay. Go out and get one. If it's not Henry, could, they'll find one because you're not going to run Tajay they, Spears twenty five yeah, times. And this that's isn't this isn't this isn't success. my. This isn't my argument to keep Derrick Henry. Look, we'll get into that in the very long offseason that we've got coming up. Um, but I I yeah, I that's just that's just kind of where I, I, I come out on on Spears. But I do love Tajay Spears and I think he's a weapon and I'm so glad he is a Tennessee Titan. And I do think we're going to see a lot of amazing highlights with him in two tone blue. 
He's maybe, averaging maybe. Four. Honestly, I don't know if we'll ever see a, a highlight with anyone in two tone blue. Oh come on! I there, know, there, there I is a light at the end of the tunnel, and that's ninety million dollars off season. That light what? is a train heading right towards us, Jack. We are about <laughs> to get smacked in the faces. By the way, bring the paint train video back. Bring that back. Bring it back, Titans. Honestly, bring back everything from the past. Help at this point, bring back Ken wasn't on it. No, no, no. We've gone too far. I look. Bring it back. The Titans. They are. We are in a. uh, We're in a dark, dark place right now, and it is not fun. And I don't. I I don't know when or if it's going to get better. Um, which is, I know what everyone wants to hear. Uh, this is coming from me, the eternal optimist of the spotless mind. I am the, I am just always like, Oh, glass is half full. They won that game in Miami. And I'm like, could they make the playoffs? I know. And you know what? That win in Miami was probably the worst thing that could happen to my mental health because I believed again. I was all in. Yeah. And I was like, they could just run the table. Look, if they can go out and beat the Texans who, they, you know, do well. But no, this team has not won a division game since October of 2022, which is awesome. And, um, oh, gosh, it and is. It's, uh, it's not looking good for the last two because the Jags are oh, probably no, going to need the Jags are be, probably going to need be, that one in week 18. And then th- the Texans are going to have Shroud back. Think about this. It'll be 2024 before the Titans win a division game. It'll be 2024 before the Titans score over 28 points in a game. It'll be 2024 before a lot of things happen. All right, That's... you're on record. This is freezing cold takes material, Austin. You better hope they don't. You think they're going to but... score 28 points in any of their last three games? <laughs> I, it, look, it's very unlikely. It's nearly but, impossible. This, but it's I'm one of those saying... things where it's like when the Titans score 16 points, it's like a no-hitter in baseball. Don't talk about it because otherwise <laughs> they're going to blow it. And sure enough, every single week, they get to 16 points very quickly, and then they just stop. That like they they meet their quota, and it is they are done for. So we um, saw it against the Panthers. We've seen it numerous times with halftime leads. It's like they forget how to play football and call a game offensively when they're winning because they're it's such an unfamiliar position for this group. I'm so sad. All right, let's get to Buck. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna start there with Buck. I'm gonna get into. Uh, I need. I need some sort of optimism, and hope. Hopefully, he can deliver that to us. Um, so let's get to Buck. But before we do, let's get a word first from our friends at BetMGM. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code A to Z Sports, and you'll receive up to one thousand dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Tennessee only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. First online real money wager only. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance for problem gaming support. Call the Tennessee red line at 800-889-9789. And I'll get the box.
we, it's time now to go to the man who you look. It's uh, he he does middays on 104.5 The Zone. Uh, obviously covers the Titans for A to Z Sports, and uh, he has a 0.5 star rating in all of our books. He is a Buck Rising. Buck, how are you? Uh, you know, disgraced that I have to drag my half a star in here every week <laughs> and deal with the four and a half star crew yeah. uh, that, that subjects me to this level. It's, it's just shameful because my, my thing was taken from me. The Titan Up podcast took this feed from hey, me. Hey, hey, take it up it with over. management. If look, if they're going to combine us onto one podcast feed, you know, we're, we have to fight for that podcast feed. We have to like prove that, you know, we're not just an add-on podcast. Like, it's, mm. you know, we're going to say, like, oh, it's our podcast feed that we let Buck occasionally post on. Well, if I had more energy, I'd probably fight harder against that. But I'm you're, I'm, I'm very distracted. At least that's what I tell myself when I, yeah. when I get my half a star to your four and a half. So do you read Buck? the reviews? Oh, yeah, do you? Oh, no, I haven't in a long time. I probably should. Uh, or right. maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. Are we? Do yeah. we have some? No, no. I think you definitely should. Definitely. Yeah, should. I think I think you should give him a scan. <laughs> yeah, maybe just you know when you're feeling lonely one night. Yeah, oh, just, God, that's... just give them a once through. Listen, brother, I stopped reading my DMs three years ago. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to take a look at my <laughs> my damn uh, damn podcast <laughs> podcast reviews. No, less less interaction has been good for my mental health. Yeah, right. Uh, Buck, speaking of mental health. What what is one positive uh, as uh, for Titans fans right now? What is You're one not, thing? I'm the person you had to do Come the on. positivity. Look, show? I that's you honestly that's I don't know where else to start. To be honest with you, oh, <laughs> <laughs> they looked nice while they got their asses kicked by Case Keenum on Sunday. That's did that's... they? Yeah, oh, like oh, you mean like fashion wise? Yeah, aesthetically, okay. it was very <laughs> aesthetically it was very pleasing to watch them get their asses kicked because nothing that they did on the field of play was aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, it's so frustrating, and I I like that we were starting here because it feels like every time the Titans have a lead at halftime, it evaporate it evaporates so quickly, and that. We do the confidence level on the halftime show, Buck. And, you know, every time the Titans are winning at halftime, I feel like a six, maybe a seven, never a 10, because there's always a way that they can blow it. I mean, even against the Panthers, the Panthers did their best to come back. And here it is again. Tim Kelly's play calling, I believe, is part of the problem. I don't believe it's the whole problem. I believe that he's handicapped by a bad offensive line to where no matter what you call, the running game can't get going. But I want to ask you, about this, and we had a, a we had a, a Will Lomas come on this podcast and bring it up, and then Austin Stanley mentioned it to me on Sunday. Do you think that Mike Vrabel might be meddling in the offense with the first down runs or the toss plays to Henry or the screens to Henry? Because no matter which offensive coordinator has come through the building, it seems like there are a couple things that stay the same, and that's running Henry early in the early in the game and on first down um, pretty often, which which hasn't worked a whole lot this year, but they're afraid to abandon it, which makes me believe maybe Mike Vrabel is, you know, maybe meddling in this offense. How do you feel about that? Well, it's not meddling if that's the way that it was, that it's set up. Like he's, he's on the headset. He's involved in every play call. Like that's not, that's not meddling. That's like the way that their, that their org chart works uh, <laughs> essentially. And in a couple of different ways. Now how to frustrate people, um, understandably so, but it it's not any different than when he was on the headset with Art or on the headset with LaFleur when they were, you know, a different version of Derrick Henry, a different version of the offensive line. 
But when they put together, and this is not a defense of Mike Vrabel, by the way. Like, I'm, I'm equally as frustrated watching them just slam their head into a wall or slam Derek's head into a wall over and over and over again. Most of the time, not even getting to the wall. He's contacted three yards before he gets to the wall uh, is kind of the whole situation this yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, 24 yards after contact, but ended with nine yards. That yeah. was, that's a fun stat uh, to read Nine off. yards for Derek Henry against the Houston Texans that he uh, has yeah. had. Uh, he has had a Hall of Fame career just against the damn Texans. A thousand like, yards in the last ten games against, uh, or excuse me, uh, in the last five games against the Texans. Uh, over a thousand yards. Listen, uh, people, people are gonna be disgusted by it. The play calling is not the is it's it's not perfect, but it's not a problem for me. They can't they can't drop him back. Seven sacks in this game's boy in this game boys, all of them in the second half because they had no choice but to pass and they got him killed, right? They're running the football to trying to protect the quarterback as many different ways as they can or protect him from himself it seems when he's trying to run around there and and lower his shoulder and make plays and run for uh gain yards, uh gain yards beyond what he might otherwise be able to get and looks not he doesn't seem to know how to slide yet, which is something that they're going to have to work on with him. But yeah. I, I, I acknowledge that it is conservative. I acknowledge that they are trying to play not to lose, as opposed to playing as opposed to playing to win these games or put their foot on the necks of the of inferior opponents. But also, I completely acknowledge that their deficiencies are going to get the quarterback hurt. They've gotten too hurt already behind this offensive line. I. Of all the of all the things on the list of their problems, I got to go through a couple of things before I get to Tim Kelly and play calling. That's fair. It just feels like when they have a lead, they don't know how to protect it. Maybe not protect it, but extend it. And like you said, keep your foot on the gas, put your foot on the neck. And I brought this up the other day. I, you know, it's probably not fair, and it's probably me digging too deeply. But I want to run it by you, Tim Kelly. Last two years calling plays for the Texans. They were, they were a four-win team in each year. And his first two years here in Tennessee, they hadn't had the lead a whole lot. They haven't been winning a lot of football games. So I don't know if it's fair to chalk it up to, you know, he just hadn't had a lot of reps with the lead. But as an offensive coordinator in the NFL, you're expected to be able to get the simple things done and at least be aware of your own tendencies to where the defense might be guessing on first down a little bit more as opposed to stacking the box and stuffing Henry. Jack, my again, I'm I'm doing a devil's devil's advocate. It's going to sound like I'm caping up for the coaching staff when I think they have as much blame as anybody to do with that atrocity that was on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> but I, I, my thing, my thing with Tim is that when you look at these missed opportunities, so Levis throws the worst interception that he's thrown. He's only thrown three, and two of them have been completely excusable. But he throws the worst interception that he's had in any of these what now eight starts that he's made and he completely misses Traylon Burks on what is a touchdown, right? Just doesn't even see him. It's not that he misses him by throwing a pass and just it's an inaccurate pass. He never sees him because he's locked in on DeAndre Hopkins. Are you talking that much about Tim Kelly's first down tendencies if they hit the shot play to Traylon Burks? No. The shot play that was called that would have extended the lead, that would have helped them continue to build upon those kind of things. And it's, it's just like they have no margin for error, that all this shit falls apart because they can't, they can't do anything right is is compounding the problem everything is magnified when you can't score points and that they you know that they had the layup there and they just they didn't capitalize on one of maybe we'll call it maybe two or three opportunities that they could have had I know him and Hopkins were kind of off all day Levis uh trying to figure out you know where one another was going to be on any given play it seemed like and Levis talked about that with us 
after the game, but I am I am so not I don't want to say that I'm not focused on Tim Kelly, but of all the ills that I'm going to spend <laughs> 20 hours a week probably talking about for a 5 and 9 football team like Tim I think doesn't get a pass, but he gets more of the benefit of the doubt given how shitty this roster is. So he's still on the naughty list. He's just not getting a stocking full of coal. Maybe it's maybe it's like a quarter. He can have a lump. Filled. He can have a lump of coal, okay. and we can just say, yeah, lump. Tim, just just maybe a few more passes on first down, so it's not just this <laughs> constant running Derek into the line of scrimmage over and over again. Just maybe maybe one or two. But to be honest, like if you look at their their first down passing rate, they're good at it, and they they're doing it more than they did under Downing. Like some of those tendency things that we we are seeing changed. And Mike Vrabel's contention has always been, well, Derrick Henry was the best player on the roster when I got here, so we naturally put together an offense that features Derrick Henry. And while Derrick is still far from from washed or anything of that nature, he's never been more dependent on his surroundings, and his surroundings have also never been worse. So, you know, Derrick, Derrick doesn't need to hamstring them, but because of everything else around him right now, he is a bit of a, a hindrance. The I want to kind of go big picture here I, and take a look at the, uh, I guess, kind of like a state of the union for the Titans. And I I had this conversation. We had this conversation, Jack and I did, a couple weeks ago with Mike Herndon. And I the more I just look at the trajectory of this franchise, the, the more frustrated I get just because – you know, this was a, a a franchise that looked like they had, you know, the future in their hands and, you know, everything was looking up and very quickly that evaporated. And now I know that there were some very poor drafts. I know there were some very poor decisions on draft night uh, that I think we know uh, all know what I'm alluding to. And he's going there through was... it today on Twitter, by the way, he is. He, I think he's now. I think he's just now figuring out what it means to play for the Philadelphia Eagles oh, and not yeah. be the most successful football team in in America. Right, right, yeah. We, you know, things are great in Philly when they're great, but when they are bad, oh my gosh, that does not mix well with AJ's Twitter fingers. Yeah, um, but I, I, the more I I look at things, like I'm just like, I I start to question. And maybe this is just because I'm a Titans fan and I need a scapegoat to look at. But I, I start to question the coaching staff. And I'm like, is Mike Vrabel what we thought Mike Vrabel was? Because, you know, aside from a 2019 playoff run where they win, you know, two great games against teams that they had no business winning, which used to be the Titans forte. They used to go into other people's homes and, and beat teams that they had no business winning. Like Monday night, Monday night gave us a little taste of that against the Dolphins. But then you come back and they just basically, for lack of a better term, shit the bed. And mm-hmm. it it is, and we've seen a lot more shitting of the bed than we have the old school Vrabel, at least in the last 21 games, for sure. And I, I just like, part of me is like, is Vrabel the guy? Is Vrabel who we thought he was? Or is is this last season and a half more of like who he is and what he is. And I know the roster is depleted and people love to say this roster is no good. There's no talent on the roster, but then they go into Miami on a Monday night and beat a very good AFC leading dolphins team. So like it was that roster, not the same roster that then went out and shit the bed uh, on 
the two games bookending at the Colts and Texans game. I, I don't know. I feel to me like it's like we can make excuses all we want, but it feels like this is more of a leadership issue. Am I wrong? Or, or, or where do you come out on that? I guess. Uh, I mean, if, if they were like, well, here's the thing. There's players who, who don't vibe with him. I mean, it's not just tear Tart and Monty Rice. Like there's, there's, good players on that roster are sick of the shit. Uh, and he's, what I'll say about Mike is he's the same person at five and nine that he is at nine and five. And that does not, is not received well by some people. Then you compound it with the, I, I, I don't want to cuss too harshly on this podcast, but, and I don't want to make work extra work cluster bleep. I'll say there's the cluster bleep. That is the power dynamic between the head coach, the general manager, the circumstances around the general manager's hiring, some substantiated, some not substantiated, uh, and an owner who has gotten a taste of what it is to be a winning organization over the past couple of years has never been more involved in trying to maneuver how it is that they get back to that path, and some of it helpful, and I don't necessarily think all of it helpful uh, where where that is. Now, I think that they... That Mike Vrabel's going to be your coach next year unless, like, Stillman was just texting me literally before we started this podcast. Uh, <laughs> oh, so man. Ask gonna, him what – I'm going to betray wait. some confidences here. Can you can you do us a favor at mm-hmm. some point? It doesn't have to be right in this moment, but can you text him back and say, what does your dad think? Because that is a big thing for us on this podcast is, yeah, like, just, we don't just... care – we don't care Jared Stillman's take on things. We care about what Jared Stillman's dad's take is on things. Who's winning will, on Sunday? He'll occasionally tweet that out. My dad thinks this, and and that is what we live for on this podcast. <laughs> he takes He's he's on the air That's in twenty good. minutes as we tape this podcast, so we'll see if he responds. But uh, he texted me literally twenty minutes ago and said, "Could Vrabel survive a Chargers TNF performance next week at Houston?" Basically, like Brandon Staley getting you know blown out forty-two to nothing at halftime, and it's possible if Will Levis doesn't play, and they, I mean, depending on who they put out there at quarterback, like there's, if C.J. Stroud plays this this team, it could be bad. Um, but there is like there is no doubt about Mike Vrabel from the people responsible for hiring him or firing him. Um, now, whether that's right or wrong. He's going to get the opportunity to bleep around and find out. I think with this quarterback, with Ran, with whatever the hell that's going to look like into the future and who's actually making these personnel decisions or who's most making these personnel decisions, because even the most connected people to this organization can't can't make uh, make sense of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think that a lot of the frustration around Vrabel is compounded by who he is and how he does not give a shit how fans receive him. Like, there is no optical concerns about what Mike Vrabel is getting up there and doing, and that, again, wears on people. Uh, I think the frustrations are justified. I also don't think he should be fired. I think that there are there – it's not just about, like, well, who are you going to hire in that, but you, you've done the offensive-minded head coach thing, like Ken Wisenhunt – uh, Josh McDaniels, there's all Frank Reich. There's all kinds of failed head coaches around the league who also call plays on the offensive side of the football, who are also supposed to be great developers of quarterbacks and things like that, who all, who've also shit the bed. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to Brandon Staley this and, and say that it happens to a lot of people in the NFL, but that the dolphins lost to the Titans at home 
was as much a product of, of football being football as it is about anything indicative of the Titans one way or the other. The sport is just completely wired to have these teams not be that much better than one another, where you're watching Philadelphia flounder around the last three weeks and how much more mortal Tua looks without Tyreek in the lineup, because who wouldn't? Or Mahomes and what they're going through right now. Josh Allen just got right, but for weeks people were talking about Josh Allen in Buffalo as if he's he's like Tannehill-esque levels of underachiever. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Uh, nobody, nobody likes their offensive co- coordinator. Nobody's happy with their offense at any given point. It's just, can you go on a two-week uh, stretch of, of competent football that can kind of sal- 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 uh, soothe people a little bit, and the moral of the story here is this team has not won back-to-back football games. Since Buck, this. you want a, you want a quick hot take for your radio show? You can take yeah, this man. one. This one's freebie. Okay. Uh, Josh Allen, Ryan Tannehill, look, both uh, both wear uh, play for teams that wear blue with a touch of red. Uh, both wear number seventeen, and both perform at a high level in the regular season, but fail to produce in the playoffs. Oh shit! I'm, you're you're late on that. Already done it. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> so, catch up. Well, you just heard it. You just killed his dream. Look at his face. Come on. Yeah, no, he's got his was... own radio show now. He doesn't need to. He doesn't. Oh, yeah, on country his... radio. That's you think fine I can work in a Josh Allen take? You think I can spew out a non-Justin Fields takes in this market? He has been pumping the Bears takes in over the last few weeks. I will. Say. I, have been. Oh, I listened to the I damn podcast. How many more times are you going to compare Matt Eberflus to Mike Braver? <laughs> How many times? How many times? I get it. Everybody's pissed. Nobody likes watching this shit. How many times? Yeah, you got oh me. my god! You got That's me. hilarious. Buck, you were talking a little bit about Tier Tart and some of the guys that didn't mesh with Vrabel, but it does feel like they've kind of gone under like a little culture cleanup. You cut Monty Rice, who never really fit in here. He was he was supposed to be the guy after David Long left. Wasn't that guy. Um, and then Tier Tart situation. I, I want to know the T on Tier Tart because I read Paul's article. It was a good article. It was pretty in-depth. And it just seemed like he kind of gave up. The players didn't really respect him anymore. And he, he lost kind of respect in that building. But also, it, the weirdest thing to me that's happened over the last few weeks is the decision to place Christian Fulton on IR which apparently caught Christian Fulton completely off guard. I don't know if that was, you know, a a, a front that he was putting out to that doesn't, you know, that, that doesn't put that injury concern in other teams' mind. He says, you know, I, I feel like I'm getting close, feel like I'm getting better. I don't know why I was placed on IR. What is your understanding on Fulton and Tart's situations? They're not the same. So Christian Fulton did it the right way, even though he had all kind of cause to not handle it diplomatically, because I think they have done that man very, very wrong. I know Titans fans are frustrated by him. There's a lot of things that are pissing Titans fans off lately. Fulton is is an easy target. And listen, worst, worst season of his career. There's no disputing that. In a contract year when he had to have it, he couldn't stay healthy, and he put out uh, a product that was, was unacceptable from a player uh, at that position for a starting player at that position. And I think the coaching staff was frustrated that they felt like he was pressing in certain moments, that he was hunting picks in certain moments. And they kind of, you know, held him to account for that. Now, the fact that he wanted to play or try and come back from this injury, they weren't officially eliminated yet when he did. I don't know if that would have changed his position heading into free agency this year. Um, but his, his intent, even after New Orleans, he wanted to play and they told him no, they shut him down. He thought that he was going to be able to go. So the the Vrabel-Fulton dynamic seems more personal than it should be, and I think that's a failing on the coach 
to if you want to talk about failures on Mike Vrabel, I think that he's I think that he is really mishandled Fulton's situation. Um, Tart is not a good soldier. Tart is, <laughs> Tart is uh, not a foxhole Tart, guy. Tart is the best two down uh, best two down player in football. Uh, to hear uh, some people in the organization tell it, but that third down man, whether it be conditioning effort or otherwise, you're not getting the best of T. Air Tart. And that he that they won Miami anyway, and that Tart was perceived as not having given full effort in that game, uh, and that his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, is on the sidelines doing television interviews before that game, T.R. Tart's agent, and things like third that. Agent. Wrote, wrote third agent, uh, as as a UDFA. Tart's general professional approach has always been in question that he's doing it in a losing locker room and spreading some of those bad vibes around is cause enough to get him out of here. I bet he's going to look plenty motivated on New Year's Eve when he try, when he comes out uh, for Houston and tries to kick the Titans' ass. I bet Tier Tart looks like a $14 million player on on uh, on New Year's uh, Eve, but I I still I still understand the rationale for for letting him walk if you knew that you weren't going to pay that guy anyway. Uh, Buck, uh, while you were just answering that last question, Tim Kelly just called three more runs up the middle. Uh, just wanted to uh, point out. <laughs> Did a that single out. one of them go for a positive gain? That's my question. Uh, no, it's a total of negative two yards uh, for on three carries. So, but hey, eleven uh, yards after contact. Oh, well, I got yeah. a response from I got a response from uh, Stillman. Oh, here we go. What's his dad thinking? He says, LOL, my dad wants to fire Vrabel. <laughs> ah, okay, all right, look. Then that's what we're going with. That's our stance as a podcast, whether we like it or not. We are uh, Stillman's we dad. die by Stillman's, Stillman's dad. father. Yeah. Stillman's dad is, is the take master general uh, of, uh, honestly, in, in all of sports media. And I would that put is Stillman on the damn podcast, but I just don't have the energy for that at 3.30 on a Friday. I'm so tired by the end of the week. I can't do that shit for 30 more minutes afterwards. <laughs> He'll get up yeah. He's he's a he's a buddy of mine. I used to I used to board op. God God help the Ian Safar who does that uh, for him. But when I was a part time broke employee at one or two five, I used to work very closely with Jared. I love Jared. I yeah. think he's an insane person. I think he's everything I hate about sports talk radio. Yeah. Um. But I just I don't have the energy for that. On, on I Friday. I feel the exact same way. I love Stillman. He used to intern with Steve Gorman Sports uh, way back in the day uh, for a very or small small short amount of time, and he um and then he very quickly got a job you know, like in Louisville or Connecticut or something and bounced around and, and a good guy, like a very good dude. And I love him to death, but man, have I never loved someone so much that I cannot agree with anything he says. Uh, that is my definition of Jared Stillman. So, um, and one of, and one of those guys where like you see him a lot on Twitter and I sometimes fall into this. I sometimes become this guy on Twitter where it is, uh, we'll tweet without thinking, you know, like just tweet the first thing that comes to mind, like the first idea. And um, there's a lot of that from Jared Stillman. Like if a game is going poorly, if, you know, if the Titans go three and out in a drive, well, this Titans season is over. And then the rest of the game, you know, maybe, you know, they'll go on to beat the 49ers on Thursday night, you know, like. <laughs> it's uh, it's something that I have uh, that I, it, there's there's benefits to it, I suppose, and the clout that freezing cold takes loves to give him is something that I think he now craves on a regular basis. Yeah, so if right, anything, right. The, 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 the behavior has been encouraged and we're all to blame. Look, Colin Coward says be wrong at least once a month. You know, be wrong, and that way it will uh, kind of keep you uh, 
keep you in check. So, I mean, I guess he's taking, he took that to heart. Yeah, the uh, cowherd's off here rattling off Dwayne Haskins as, as players oh who can't win God. football games and stuff, win Super Bowls and, you know, having having passed on from us. Uh, for is is he wrong, though? Is he wrong with that take? Well, he can't. He literally cannot. So, no, I no. guess he is not. Where Colin yeah, was same. right. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> all right, all right. We're in treacherous waters here, boys. We're in treacherous waters. Buck, before, I guess this will probably be my last question for you unless you say something crazy that I have to respond to. I'm Will Levis, probably not going to go this Sunday, right? I don't know that to be certain, so I'm not going to – I'm not Okay, gonna, okay. I, can, I can't you, give you a definitive answer. Okay, I put a lot of pressure on you there. It's it, but, Well, it's Tuesday. It's, it's a little early yeah. in the week, Jack. So let's say that Will Levis can't play Sunday. I think, I think it's pretty clear the Titans will start Ryan Tannehill. Yes. But is that what they should do with, the, with them being officially oh, eliminated? All right. Draft pick in mind. What do you think? No, I, listen, if you're a fan, there's no good argument I can give you for playing Ryan Tannehill. He's he's going to be at the end of, hell, if you're Ryan Tannehill, there's no good argument I can give you for playing Ryan Tannehill. You don't want to be 35 years old coming off a hang, high ankle sprain with free with freedom just beyond your grasp and then say, all right, we, we've already gotten you hurt once. You'd be the third quarterback technically in sequence to get hurt behind this offensive line. Go get him, bud. Uh, but if they're serious about trying to trying to beat Seattle and uh, and – Will Levis's status is up in the air, then the best chance that they have to win a football game is with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. Malik, I I would personally want to see him. I understand why they would not do it. There's a difference between what fans want, what makes the most sense for fans, uh, and everything else. Who is trying to call me in the middle of this podcast? Probably somebody alleging that I've said too much about the quarterback situation. Stillman's dad, honestly. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Nick Saban calling Derrick Henry. There's only one person that calls me from an un, unlisted number, and, it's, and I know who it is every time. But uh, if, if Malik were to play well, then maybe you feel better about him as a backup quarterback. If he were to play well, you could potentially improve uh, an offer that a team might make you to have Malik come in and compete elsewhere. If he were to play poorly, then it would only improve your draft draft position if you were to lose. There's really no downside from the fan perspective of playing Malik Willis other than the coaching staff is not going to do it because Malik is not – I'm watching Drew Locke go out there and win football games last night, guys. I'm I, yeah. All the backup quarterbacks, Jake Browning, Joe Flacco at 38 years old is Damn. out here quarterback. I mean, there are too many quarterbacks who who you know belong at this level when they get out on the field. And it's a lot easier to sniff out the ones who don't or are not yet ready to belong, um, as I think is the case for Malik. I hate it for him. I he's been he's been dropped into a, a hideous situation that is not his fault. And also he's not he Will Levis immediately elevated a shitty football team. Malik just made it worse. Yeah, you know, I'm conflicted here because I want to see Ryan Tannehill win his final game in Nissan Stadium against the Seahawks team that's coming off an emotional win on a short week. Um, but at the same time, Malik Willis is the perfect tank commander. You know, if you want to win, put booby in it. If you want to <laughs> okay. lose, Malik okay. Willis should be used. <laughs> so that that's how I feel about it. I'm a little conflicted. I want to see Tannehill win this game. But <laughs> after that, throw Malik in there. Let's lose these last two games and let's lock in like a seven or eight in the draft. Jack saying, give me liberty and give me death. <laughs> <laughs> he wants it both. <laughs> the dual threat. 
I look, I if you're Ryan Tannehill, though, don't you you kind of want to get out and play, right? Because this is you're you're viewing this as like a like a a highlight tape almost like a hey, look, I'm hitting free agency in a couple of months. Look at what I can still do at 35 years old. Like if I'm Ryan Daniel, I want to get out there and play and kind of get that sour taste of early in the season out of people's mouths because it's it's recency bias is all free agency is. And if he can go out there and win on Sunday and or maybe two more games, depending on how bad Levis is, then I mean, isn't that what you what he would want to do? I yeah. Ryan Tannehill is a competitor. He didn't want to get taken out of lineup the first time. You saw how right. salty he was at the, the 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 press conference immediately after that decision was made, and and you can't blame him for it. Like these dudes want to play football. As miserable yeah. as it looks to play football for a lot of these teams, <laughs> right, right, they want to play. Uh, and it's not just because there's potentially another. I mean, what what did Dalton get from Carolina this year to uh, to be the backup quarterback there? It was a, it was a decent chunk of change and. Ryan Tannehill could go start for Atlanta and be an upgrade over Desmond Ritter in all likelihood if Art Smith for is sure. still there to give Ryan Tannehill a job yeah. uh, next season. We'll see about that. But there's Tannehill, if called upon, will play, will be happy to do so, and will try to put the best tape out there. Uh, Malik will do the same, and it's just a different experience right now at, at their respective stages of their careers. Hell, Tannehill oh. could go out and start for Buffalo, and they wouldn't skip a beat, right? Because Same person. He is same the person. exact same Number 17 guy. With, yeah. with a touch of red on the blue jersey. Hey, <laughs> Buck, hypothetical, really quick, just came to me. If Arthur Smith is let go by the Falcons, should Ooh. the Titans drop everything and hire him as OC? Ooh. Yes. Do you think Ooh. the Titans would do that? Yes. Okay. Art, Art's, Art's great at what he does. I know Falcons fans don't think so, but Art's great at what he does. And but y- that would take Mike Vrabel giving up on Tim Kelly. And I, I feel like there's not a chance in hell Mike Vrabel gives up on Tim Kelly. Oh, me thinking that they should do it and them actually doing it are two different. Oh, well, oh whether God. they would do it, I no, I would be shocked. Oh, but. please bring Art home, man. Bring Art home. I I'm, need I'm, that man back in my life. I very much enjoyed covering Art. I would, uh, I would like to see him, mustache or not, back here. And listen, it's nothing personal against him. I just think that Art, Art successfully coordinated the most successful offense in Titans era franchise history. Like it's, it's not a debate. They had the third best offense in the league uh, in his final season with the Titans. So I want to go back to that at some point if we can, if we're taking requests. All right, Buck, thank you for taking the time to join us as always. Uh, You're you, you, talk for a living and the fact that you opt to talk more on this podcast means the world to us. So we appreciate it. You know what? Maybe this week we'll give you 0.6 stars. I'll, I, you know what? I almost cussed again. I bleep that. I'll take, I'll take a full star. I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing this for <laughs> five and nine. Five, admittedly boys, I'm a lot more available at five and nine than I five would and be nine. In yeah, that's right. Situation. <laughs> yeah, but that yeah, I agreed yeah. to do this podcast at five and nine. I want a whole damn star out of here with point six. All right. I'm not Derrick right. Henry behind this offensive line. I deserve more than point six. For this week and this week only, you'll get a full star. Okay. But look, it, it's not us who review this podcast, but it's not Yeah, look, it's not uh, us. Like you, we're look, whether, I would review it. You know, I'd give whether you, you ten get a stars if star I could. Full it's, star. it, it's yeah, up to it's the, the listeners. listeners. Yeah, it's their their call. Do you think you gave day. a full star performance today? Shit, yeah. I think I get a <laughs> full star performance. But you can't ask me how what I think of me. Otherwise, we'll be here all day. 
Guys, follow him at Buck Rising. If you're not already, you you there's not a chance you're not already following him. But uh, also check out his radio show and uh, read his work on A to Z Sports. We appreciate you, Buck. Always a pleasure. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. Shout out to Buck, but more importantly, shout out to Jared Stillman's dad. Always coming up big on this podcast. Um, we uh, we need to get out of here, mainly because, I don't know, just, what's the point anymore? <laughs> what's happened to us, Austin? Jack, I'm so, like, four years of doing this podcast. It was so promising at first. We started, and it was so easy and so fun. But we knew this day would come eventually. Did we? No, it didn't feel like it would. I mean, when we even started talking about the championship window closing, I was thinking like, okay, yeah, like I'm sure it will maybe one day, maybe in like five or six years. Yeah, when A.J. Brown gets old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When A.J. Brown like <laughs> suddenly can't walk. Sure enough, I – anyway. I um, It just makes us sad to rehash this. All right, how about this? You... Here's, a, here's a question for you. Here's something to think about on the way out. You want it? What is your most ideal finish for the AFC South? Actually, let me rephrase that. Who would, Wait, you most, all, who would you least hate to see win the division? Oh, I love that question. Let me, before I answer that, I've never more felt like I was in that SpongeBob meme where Squidward uh, is looking out the uh, that, that graded window, looking out to Patrick and SpongeBob running and having fun than I do right now as a Titans fan because literally every team in the AFC South is 8-6 and six right now. Every team except for your Tennessee Titans. I'm like, <laughs> it is, like everyone has a shot at, at winning the division except for the Titans. It's so brutal. It is and like, this is hell. I think this is, this is two-tone blue hell. And if you told me before the season that there would be three teams at eight and six, one team at six and eight, I would have had the utmost confidence in the Titans being one of those eight and six teams. But they're not. So I ask you this, because the Jags have had a stranglehold on this thing for quite a while that they've recently blown. Yeah, the flames, the flames in hell. You know how like the fire at the base of every flame, it's blue. It's actually two tone blue. And that's where we are at in, in life. Well, while we burn. The Jags, Colts, and Texans all at eight and six. I most want to see the Jags collapse because I feel like they'll be a legitimate threat next year. And I don't want them to get that confidence, that momentum heading into the offseason. I don't want them to make the playoffs. I, I don't want I'd any actually... of these three, but I, if I had to pick one, I think I would want the Colts to win the division. Oh, because, gosh. No. No. Because, no, no, look, no, no. because the listen, one thing you have on the Colts right now, the one thing you have on the Colts, they haven't won the division since 2014. You like for as bad as the Titans have been, have been like you guys haven't won the division since freaking iPod Nanos were still being sold in stores. Like that's to me. I know, is... I, I know that it's a big pride thing, but any of these, like the Texans haven't won it in a while. The Jags won it last year. I don't want them to go back to back. If the Colts win it, it will probably be because of Gardner Minshew's play down the stretch, and then oh. There's some friction in Indianapolis. Is it, is it Richardson? Is it Minshew? Obviously, they're probably going to go with Richardson if he's healthy, but that Minshew making the playoffs makes it a conversation at the very least. 
Yeah. Like CJ Stroud, the Texans, they'll be playoff caliber next year. The Jaguars aren't going anywhere. I think the Colts will go back to sucking next year, but that's why I want them to win because they're the the least scary of those three teams when you look towards the future. Um, I yeah, I I want the Jags honestly because I think I I trust them the least in the playoffs. Uh, I think the Texans could make a run if CJ Stroud is healthy and all I agree. that. But um, Jack, you know we do a segment on this podcast every week called or not every week, but a lot of times called laughing at the Texans. And obviously with the Titans wearing Oilers throwbacks in a game against the Texans at home, you blow a lead to their backup, their backups, backup quarterback. It is, I think it's only right if we um, laugh at the Titans. So Jack, if you'll join oh, me now, I, we, we have can't. to, uh, no, we have to, it's only right. Um, so if you join me now, let's laugh at the Titans. Follow the podcast at a uh, at Titan Up Pod on Twitter at Titan Up Podcast on Instagram. Follow Jack on Twitter at Jack A Gentry. Follow me on Twitter at Austin Up. Follow A to Z Sports on all the socials. Uh, Jack, you got anything for the road? Stay strong out there. Hey, Merry Christmas to everybody. How about that? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, I guess. With all that said, until next week. Tighten up. They're the Tennessee Titans. They're the Tennessee Titans.